everybody. Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. This industry has come a long way. Even in the six odd months we've been doing this show, I've seen development. It's becoming more legitimate. Uh, if you watch the show, you know that we see it as our role to help develop that in the most professional way possible. Uh, so one of the big movements that we've seen uh, is not the train going by, but, <laughs> but, but rather uh, this concept of an incubator or an accelerator, right? So if anybody doesn't know, this is a place that an early company can come and get support, a little bit of investment, some mentorship, and it's a, a great place to sort of uh, either accelerate or incubate your company forward. Uh, this has taken hold in the cannabis industry, which is extremely exciting because that means that people with money actually want to help people that are developing cannabis companies, right? That's what it means at its heart. Uh, and today that's what we're going to talk about. So we have Carter and Ben here of Gateway Incubator. What's up guys? Thanks for thanks Howdy. for being here. And thanks for getting dressed up, looking sharp. <laughs> that's all for you. That's not a requirement of the show, but you look <laughs> no. the part today and I appreciate it. So uh, uh, Carter, why don't I start with you? Tell sure. us just uh, what Gateway is a little bit. Sure. It's an early stage accelerator for any company that's in the cannabis space. So that, that means they can touch the plant, they don't have to touch the plant, it could be ancillary businesses as well. Uh, and it's a four month long program where they'll come in, we invest $30,000 in them. They'll come into our office here and work out of this office for four months. They'll get uh, a lot of hands-on training and instruction on how to build an early stage company. Uh, we'll connect them with a, a network of mentors that are a mix of both uh, technology entrepreneurs in the Bay Area as well as cannabis entrepreneurs and cannabis experts. And um, and then at the end there'll be kind of the standard accelerator thing where there's a demo day and investors can come in and they can pitch to investors and uh, and then move along and hopefully succeed. So this is very much like the technology blueprint, right? You're, you're yeah. sort of taking with the incubators and accelerators and tech, the most notable of which is Y Combinator, about 500 startups, others, right. if, you're, if you're not familiar with that world. But, but Ben, I mean, why is that model applicable here? Why, why is that going to work in, in cannabis? Well, I mean, that model is actually applicable to many verticals, right? But um, cannabis in particular, there's um, a lot of things that are asking for us to come into the space and do this. And, and, the, and the major thing is, you know, it's this quickly emerging market with a lot of entrepreneurs that maybe haven't done a business before, like a real scalable business. Um, and on the other side, you have investors that want to put money into the space. Um, the big disconnect right now is that there's not a lot of confidence. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, how do these investors that are used to looking at well-vetted tech companies profit off of this emerging market, the cannabis industry? Um, and so that's what we're doing. We're providing that nexus between these early companies and the investors. Yeah, I mean, you're a little bit of a liaison in that way, right? I mean, both of you uh, act and carry yourself more like a traditional investor, right? So to bridge that gap between, let's be honest, you know, middle-aged white men that are that are LPs and, sure. and writing the big checks and kind of trickling that down, right? So, I mean, how much do you think about the way that you're perceived personally and in this industry? I mean, how, how much is that a part of the, the thought process? Um, Maybe you asked the wrong person. I'm notoriously bad at thinking about how I'm perceived. <laughs> okay. But uh, if if I think about it on the fly, I think I'm probably looked at askance slightly by some of my more well-established tech friends, although a lot of them have been super supportive about this. And I think probably in the marijuana industry, we're also looked at as a little bit like outsiders, and we're trying to you know, bridge that gap and really demonstrate that we're here to help. I think we're going to be doing a lot of free outreach where we have seminars and events where we can support the industry. Um, but, you know, like I said, I'm not a great judge of 
yeah. how I'm perceived. And, and given that both of you have uh, good tech backgrounds, we'll talk about that a little bit, is, uh, you know, why, why cannabis? I mean, what, what's appealing to it? I mean, why make a cannabis accelerator? Sure. Um, well, aside from what Ben mentioned, which is there's a huge growth opportunity and it's a, it's a burgeoning market and we do expect it to explode. Um, personally, I've always, I have a very libertarian bent and I've always uh, been extremely against the war on drugs. Uh, I think it's horrendous from a moral perspective. Uh, you look at the, the incarceration rates, uh, I think more people are in jail for marijuana related crimes today yeah. than the entire prison population of 1980. Um, it's, uh, it's just atrocious. It's destroyed our inner cities. Um, and, you know, it's a completely irrational, stupid law. And so that just, you know, boils my blood, and I, I've never liked it. But I'm not much of a political activist type of person. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity to come in and, you know, there, there are people who have blazed the path for us on the political front, and we'll, you know, we'll absolutely support them moving forward. But, you know, there's a, there's a whole community of people who have been uh, persecuted and the idea that we can come in and help bring them mainstream and bridge that gap between the, the persecuted kind of underworld of cannabis and what we view as the ultimate end, which is cannabis being an accepted sure. substance in mainstream America. Yeah, I mean, we kind of have a similar thesis about this show, right? I mean, uh, kind of the, the common denominator here is people that are on the show, ourselves included, myself, the team, you know, we do real shit with our lives. Uh, and it just so also happens that we enjoy cannabis, right? Uh, and those things uh, can go together very, very nicely. And I think they do for a lot of people in the world. And it's about uh, that stigma, right? Sort of removing that stigma. Yeah, one of the things that was shocking to me, is, so I'm originally from New York, okay. and I didn't grow up in the Bay Area. And But when I moved, I moved here in 2000, and I've been in the tech world for a while. And I have a lot of friends who are very successful tech entrepreneurs who I won't name because uh, you would know them. But... Uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot of very high-functioning people who regularly use cannabis, yes. yeah. and there's a perception that cannabis use is limited to lazy, non-productive people sitting on their parents' couch in their basement, yeah. and that's just not true. Yeah. Uh, there are brilliant, highly productive individuals that use it regularly, and so that stigma is something that would like to break. Well, yeah. in, in, you know, like we're both engineers at heart, and so like if you just boil it straight down to the numbers, like there's, there is no justification of, of the stigma, right? And so, I mean, stripping all that away, like removing the stigma from the equation, for me, it's like you look at these entrepreneurs and it feels very much like the tech industry. It's like, why wouldn't you go into this industry? Um, you, in fact, it's better than the tech industry now. It's, it's like the old tech industry, right? Where you used to find these creative, brilliant people doing amazing things and just no business structure. Now it's like, you know, the tech industry is very, like, overrun with people just trying to make a buck and trying to get in on it. And it's commoditized, right, yeah. in a lot of ways. The way that you raise money, the way you do growth, the way you hire people, everything, there's a blueprint, right? And that's what I love about cannabis is we're kind of creating this yeah. blueprint. Well, you, you look at the founders in the cannabis space right now, it's like people that are willing to, like, stand up to the stigma and people that are passionate about the product yeah. and not looking just to make a quick buck, but they do want to, like, pursue their passion. Yeah, so that, that quick buck kind of uh, idea, you know, sparks a, a different one in my head. Uh, it's interesting that neither one of you, cannabis plays a really big role in your life personally, right? Uh, so uh, the fact that we're kind of in this uh, world, you know, uh, what, what, do you, what do you say to that a little bit? Like, I, 
you've you've determined that it's a great business opportunity, sure. right? which is what I love the most about it. Yep. Is you're not here saying, oh, come to our incubator, we're going to get high a lot, it's going to be fun. <laughs> this is a real business, and I'm putting my heart and my soul and probably some of your own money into it, right? So uh, I think that's amazing. And there is a question here somewhere. I'm, I'm getting to that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when you get there. But, but basically, when you're attracting these companies, yeah. how much of that plays into it? I mean, do they consider you like one of them, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. So far, the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. And I think, especially for, you know, I don't want to talk about the cannabis industry as if it's one homogenous group of people, right? There's different elements in every community, and there are different elements in the cannabis industry. And what I've seen is, you know, the people who really want to grow their businesses and really want to build something big and are excited to do that, the reception that we've gotten has been super positive. Yeah. They're like, great, thank you for coming in here. Thank you for bringing, you know, connecting uh, tech expertise and mentorship. Thank you for bringing in money. I mean, they're very excited. Are, is there an element that's maybe resentful? Yeah, possibly, but, but that's true in any group. I, I, think there, I, I think there's like one common denominator with the group is the fact that people want it to go mainstream. They don't want to sure. be persecuted for you know, partaking in whatever they call it, whether it's a drug or whether it's you know, just a, a lifestyle herb. Okay. Um, and what we, we are is a vehicle for that mainstream to occur, right? Like people trust us, whether on one side of fence or the other. Yeah. And so if we can help build the entrepreneurs, the world-class like business leaders that, that people trust and are willing to invest in, then we're doing you know, our job for the industry. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, part of the truth is that if this is going to go mainstream, which it will, uh, one of the ways that it needs to do that is by people who aren't regular users supporting it. Hundred percent. So yeah. you know, they. The, I'm not saying the industry needs us specifically, but it does need people like us who, you know, I'm, I don't never use it. I mean, I do use it sometimes, absolutely. Um, and you know, I've used it for back pain. Of you know, it's, sure. it has great, great value, but it's not a regular part of my life. And frankly, I think, in order for the industry to really be accepted, it needs to have people who are advocates who it's not a regular part of their life. Right, and also, even if this is a little bit of a dirty word still in the in the cannabis industry, profit is crucial to moving this forward, right? I mean, it really Absolutely. is that crucial. The new laws that we just signed into California that allow dispensaries to be profitable yep. is an amazing development, right? Because now we can have the best business people, the best minds working on this, yeah. not because they enjoy cannabis, but... Because they enjoy money? <laughs> I think that's okay. Well, look, I mean, we're getting closer. Both. It's, it's both. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> getting closer. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit before the show, yeah. but, um, you know, profit is good yeah. inherently. I mean, living your life only for money to the exclusion of other things is absolutely bad, and no one's saying that that's not true. But there's nothing wrong with making profit. In fact, it's good. By making profit, you are creating jobs for other people. You're adding value. By definition, in a free market, if you're profitable, you're adding value. You're doing something that other people voluntarily give you money for, which means that they value it. So uh, I don't think the industry should shy away from being profitable. Uh, should they become, uh, you know, evil, backstabbing, lying sons of bitches to become profitable? No, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Absolutely not. But profit in and of itself is, is a good thing. Yeah, 100%. Let's get back to the formation of Gateway a little bit. Sure. Uh, first of all, tell me about the name. It's, uh, that holds a certain connotation in this industry. You hit that one. <laughs> uh, I came up with the name as an intentional slap in the face to the DEA, who have been saying that 
it's a gateway drug. Yeah. And um, it's also, obviously, there's a double entendre there where we also view ourselves as a, a gateway to kind of mainstream uh, access through, you know, through the program. Got it. But it was intentionally a little bit of a, you know, let's take a word that is used to vilify marijuana and turn it on its head and make right. it into something good. Right, right. That's so fantastic. <laughs> I've had mixed reviews. Some people think that's fantastic. Yeah. Other people say that was a bad choice. Of a I, I, I think the people that matter, though, it's a, to us. It, it was a good decision. I don't know. It's an aesthetic decision. I, I'm not going <laughs> to judge anyone for disagreeing yeah, with it. I think most point. people uh, that you'd want to be affiliated with, right, uh, are going to understand it and maybe think about it twice yep. as opposed to just being a gateway drug. I mean, this concept of gateway is so outrageous. We were talking about it a little bit before the show. Yeah. I mean, is alcohol a gateway drug? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. You know, is sugar, <laughs> is yes. fat a gateway drug? You yeah. know, if you give your, your kid apple juice, will they also grow up to have diabetes? You know what I mean? Is that like a... No, in fact, I think, you know, you've just named two things that I think are, you know, at least alcohol is, is in my book, definitely more dangerous than marijuana. Um, and it, sugar it should, and be as well. Look at the numbers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. so, uh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you've, I've gone through times in my life where I've had a lot of sugar and then not had a lot of sugar yeah. or, or, you know, been healthy and not healthy. And uh, absolutely, when I'm eating a lot of sugar, I'm addicted to sugar in a yeah. way that uh, is kind of insane. And it's certainly not healthy. Yeah. The other one that people don't talk very much, particularly in the startup industry, is coffee. Yes. Mm. Right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I work in a startup. Everybody knows I work at OnFleet if you watch this show. And uh, we just guzzle coffee, right? <laughs> and completely acceptable and, yeah. and very productive and all those things. But I always wonder to myself, like, coffee can't be that good for you, right? Like, yeah. Anyway. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not very yeah. good for you. This show's about cannabis, uh, not coffee. They go well together. Well, the point is, look, any substance can be abused. Yeah. Um, you can abuse sugar. And give yourself diabetes and get gout and do all those horrible things. Or you could not and just enjoy chocolate cake sometimes. Yep. Yeah, and we're talking so, about moderation right here. And, yeah, and absolutely. And everyone's tolerances are different. Everyone's body chemistry is different. What they need is different. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of judging people for what they put in their bodies no matter what it is. Yeah. So... Uh, this is just a no-brainer for me. Right. So you come up with the name, you get Gateway. What's the next step? I mean, is it first about raising money? Is it about testing the sure. waters for companies? You know, what's the, what's the next step? Uh, well, I wish we had only one next step, but I think we feel a little bit overwhelmed <laughs> right now. I think the answer was yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, we, we're we backed by the Marijuana Investment Corporation. Actually, they changed their name. It's MJIC yep. now, uh, and I don't think we're supposed to spell out the acronym. But they... Uh, <laughs> They're our, our major backer. Yeah. We will go out and let some more LPs in the fund. We haven't actually opened that up yet. We are not advertising fundraising at all, uh, just to be clear. Don't SEC. email him. Right. So, But uh, we, will, we will open up the fund and let some more LPs in. There's been a huge demand. And right now we're trying to decide what kind of mix of LPs we want in the fund okay. because... We could probably get all tech people in or all cannabis people, and I think yeah, we'd you like to mix. mix yeah. And so we're trying to figure out who are the right strategic LPs to have in the fund, mm -hmm. and we will do that. The raise will be relatively quick, uh, probably quicker than any raise I've ever done for any company because mm. there's just so much interest. Yeah. But um, at the same time, but it's not urgent because we have MGIC as our backers anyway. Right. So. Yeah. At the same time, I mean, we our our pipeline for companies has yep. been flowing ever since we announced. 
Um, yeah, and we have to go through that. That's something that's on our to-do list, right? We've been getting a lot of interest from companies. Uh, I'm still actually working on the curriculum and some of the screening for companies. Yeah. Uh, ben is still doing some screening for companies, and we haven't even really made a push to advertise to companies that they should apply, which I think we'll do the beginning of January. Mm -hmm. Is that the plan? So, Got it. Uh, I'm fascinated yeah. by this process much because I, I have a lot of history of it. I helped start the Launch Incubator, which some of you know. Uh, and You all should know the Launch Incubator. <laughs> you all should know the Launch Incubator. Yeah. You all should not necessarily know that I helped start it because that's irrelevant. <laughs> but but <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so that process of like vetting companies I find fascinating. Yeah. Because just by nature of there being classes, you have to do this in sort of an accelerated pace here, yes. uh, pun intended, accelerator. Uh, tell me a little bit how you think about that. I mean, when we meet a founder, what are the things that really stick out for you? Do you want to, I mean, I can answer it, but sure. I've been I mean, talking I want a lot, so go answer. ahead. And yeah, well, so, so you're touching on a very key point. You're talking a lot about being founder-centric, yeah. which is the first step, right? You know, a lot of people are like, oh, what kind of ideas are you looking for? And I'm like, you know, frankly, Yes, the idea is important. We like to see that it's scalable and has some traction and, and proof of concept. Um, but what we're really looking for is, you know, those founders that have the potential to be great leaders, right? Mm -hmm. And so what's that going to take in building a company? It's that unique insight, you know, something that's bringing something new to the, the cannabis world. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been talking to really interesting people that have, you know, crazy ideas to just make the, the industry more dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's really exciting. So of opening up you know not only tapping into this like largely accelerating market you know what was a four billion dollars right now you know projected to be 16 in four years um yeah, i love it when somebody comes in to pitch and they tell me how big the industry is right i'm well, like yeah i, yeah. I know so, so what i want to start hearing from founders like oh here's the segment that i'm addressing within cannabis because that's right. what it is it is a dynamic market right, right. so we need to start like looking at the growth potential for those different niches got it and and how does it start is there an application online that you'll fill out mm -hmm. or and then how many of those do you do you anticipate getting? I mean, is this so, going gonna to be a lot of work? Yes, it's going to be a lot of work. But a few hundred. There, there's yeah. going to be a yeah. yeah. There's going to be a few steps in the process. The first one is filling out a form. Yeah. But there's also you know a pitch video that has to go along with that. So there's a very okay. So you're going to do a video and and the video is what? Tell us what your company is in five minutes or it's a short. pitch. It's it's a tell us what your company is. It's kind of your standard pitch. Yeah. Plus uh, one minute of why you want to be in Gateway and what you hope to get out of Gateway. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but you know, as Ben said, so that's the first step in the process. Where our screening is extremely founder focused. Yeah. So we have, he and I have both spent an inordinate amount of time with super early stage founders. Yeah. Uh, both uh, through the Founder Institute and through Pitch Coach and just angel investing and advising and that kind of stuff, and we have some empirical data as well as some probably less empirical but heuristic data about what it takes to be a good founder, especially what some red flags are. So, what are those? Um, I love the red flag. That was my the favorite one. red flag, and I, I won't say it's my favorite, it's the one that I see most often, yeah. is defensiveness. Okay. Um, so what happens is, I can get a little bit boring and talk about psychology, psychology Please forever do. about this. But, um, <laughs> it's Saturday, we got time. Okay, well, <laughs> Um, I, it's not boring to me. I think it's super fascinating. Um, what happens a lot, and this is understandable, especially for first-time founders, is they tie their self-esteem inextricably to their idea. Mm. And what happens with that is it means that when I criticize your idea or tell you something about your business that might not be good, 
you get immediately defensive about it mm. because it feels like a personal attack. Mm. And that's doom for an early stage film. Yeah. Because things are inevitably going to go wrong. There's probably a whole bunch of problems with your business that you're not seeing. And if you can't identify those and adapt, then you're probably just going to not be successful and die. Yeah. And so uh, defensiveness is super common, but it's a huge red flag for us. When I have a founder, I mean, I'll intend, well, I had a conversation yesterday with uh, a guy from Kiretsu Forum. I don't know if you know who they are. They're, I think, the world's largest angel community. Okay. And he and I were discussing this a little bit, and I said, you know, I am sometimes intentionally poking a founder and complaining about their business or criticizing it, even sometimes a little bit too aggressively, yeah. just to see how they react. Because I, what I want from them is to say, if I say that's a dumb idea or this isn't going to work, I want them to say, oh, why do you think that? I want them to be in collect data mode yeah. and kind of collaborative problem solving mode yeah. rather than I'm going to defend my thing you know, forever. Mode. I think that is such amazing advice. You got it for free right there, guys. <laughs> I hope you're watching. Rewind. We'll clip that out. That'll be like a clip. But yeah, no, defensiveness is one of those things because you want ultimately the founder to want to learn from you, right? If you have a yes. little and bit every, to add, and all the mentors, right? and if they else. have a little, yeah. get a little here and a little there, if they're unwilling to absorb that, they're already lost. Right. right? And, and, you know, and look, I, I'm not trying to pick on founders. I've been a founder and I've done it. We all get defensive. Yeah. But it's, it's, really really important to be able to separate I actually tell founders to go to therapy I think it's really important to separate your personal identity from what you're doing yeah um, because you know the truth is most of the successful businesses that we hear about pivoted a lot a lot yeah. and we just don't hear that part we hear these kind of Cinderella stories about oh they had an idea and they worked really hard and you know they Randomly ran into Ron Conway, who coughed up a million dollars right. for them, right, and right, then right. Blah, blah. I mean, you know, well, that's, that's the headline culture that we live in. Right, right? but that's, everybody's a success overnight, but it actually took right. Them it's, a never right. Yeah. it's never right? true, right? Yeah. It's never true, and it's never that clean. Yeah. And you know, the the successful founders that are out there now are people who screwed up a lot, had huge problems in their business early, and adapted. Yeah. Well, um, and, and so. I think the one thing that we've done successfully is figured out how to. You know, train the founders to be more open, right? To like yeah. to just dis disconnect themselves from their idea. Yeah. So, first couple times that we're meeting with these guys, it's like telling them, "You are not your idea." Like, right. say it with me now. Mm. You are not your idea. Mm. Um, and then taking that the next step and be like, "What you are is someone that's trying to solve a problem mm. for someone else," mm. and making them very customer centric, so that if they get you know three weeks, three months down the road, and all of a sudden they have a completely different idea. But they're still solving that same problem. They're just doing the best way they can. Then they're achieving their goal, or at least they're that much closer to achieving the yes. goal. Right, right. <laughs> right. Yes. They're on the right path. <laughs> so tell me about the program. There's a wide range of incubators and accelerators, right? Well, let's talk about that for a second too. I mean, that's kind of an interesting okay. distinction, right? We we're talking about a little bit. What, what do you see the distinction between accelerator, incubator? Which one is which one is gateway? Yeah. So we we had this conversation beforehand. Yeah. Uh, I was an advocate for calling Gateway an incubator early on. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think we, we agree, all three of us agreed, even though there may be a distinction technically between an incubator and accelerator, uh, no one really knows what it is. Yeah. So it's, they're all, it's almost useless to make that distinction. Completely interchangeable. Yeah. So, uh, but at the, same, at the same time, you know, we looked and we, we originally thought we should call ourselves an incubator, uh, which I think we are officially an incubator. Okay. I've kind of been using the word accelerator lately. Yeah. 
because um, I think there's there are a lot of incubators out there, and they tend to be less impactful than we want to be. Mm. If you look at the really big successes like Y Combinator or Techstars, yep. they're considered accelerators. Yeah. And so you know what we are called, I'm not totally sure. What we are, as I would say, we're a cross between the Y Combinator and the Founder Institute, mm. which is um, kind of very hands-on, very structured approach to the curriculum, but very focused on, on the network, actually investing money, um, following on investment, that kind of thing. So, Got it, yeah. Uh, and in terms of the actual program, I mean, uh, companies are we're, we're in your office here. Companies sure. will actually work yeah. here, correct? Yes, uh, mostly in the room behind us. Yeah. But yeah, they, they'll work here for four months, uh, mandatory four months stint here and they can stay for an extra month if they want to. Got it. Uh, the reason we're giving that extra month, which is unusual, is we realize that a lot of cannabis companies actually have a hard time finding space mm -hmm. to move. So um, now it's true that some companies will be so far along that they can't really lo relocate here. So their founder or founding team will have a desk here and they'll just sure. be expected to be here on a regular basis. Got it. And through that time period, what kind of growth do you expect? I think YC sort of has a, a 7% growth model, give or take, you know, that they like to expect. How do you guys judge success for the companies that are obviously more funding? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I think one of the ways that we judge success is the obvious kind of when they graduate, how interested are people in funding them? And, and really the ultimate success, obviously, you know, the ultimate test is how well they do mm -hmm. in the market. Mm -hmm. um, but for us, I think, you know, it's, it's a lot softer measurements can happen on a week-to-week -week basis. Mm -hmm. It's how well are they, you know, we're, let's say we're talking about customer development and we're trying to teach them how to do better customer development. Yeah. How well are they doing on that? Are they meeting their goals? Are they doing that? And, you know, I think we'll have to use probably a lot of peer pressure and other techniques to make people feel like they're falling behind mm -hmm. when they are. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're probably going to want people to do things that they are going to be reluctant to do. Mm -hmm. But um, ultimately... You know, one of the things that we're going to measure is how appealing their business is. And we've talked about this. We'll probably have them do pitches on day one when they come in without any guidance. Mm -hmm. Let them go through the program. The last two weeks of the program are focused on just refining their pitch and being able to raise. And then we'll see how their pitches are on demo day. And, you know, if we feel like proud mentors, then we know we've done a good job. And if we feel like, you know, well, then they didn't. The nice thing is, we, you know, so Y Combinator relies on this, like, key metric, you know, right. growth. But the reason they rely on that is because they have that open structure where it's just like, well, you need to show us something. Yeah. Well, for us, because we're creating a more structured, rigid program, you know, it'll be adaptive to, to each founder's needs, but we'll know what they're kind of, like, focusing on intellectually each week. Um, so we'll be able to track them better. We don't need to say, oh, you need to show me 10% growth because maybe that's not what you need to focus on. Right, right. It's a more hands-on approach where you'll know how successful they are more intangibly yeah, than so specifically mentioned. Yeah, so Y Combinator, you know, as Ben alluded to, Y Combinator doesn't do much instruction at all. Yeah, it's once a week dinner, right, with a mentor. You go to dinner once a week, you can meet with mentors. It's very hands-off. And your valuation goes up. Right. Yeah, I mean, from it's, those dinners. It's pretty awesome. Well, I mean, <laughs> what Y Combinator brings, I think, predominantly, aside from the money, uh, well, aside from the money, they basically just bring a network, yep. right? And so they, they bring the prestige of having gone to YC and they bring a network. Yep. 
Um, beyond that, it's mostly what you make of it. It's do you utilize the network? Can you um, can you really make use of that network while you're in YC? They they don't have a lot of structure to them. Mm -hmm. uh, we feel that we need a lot more. You know, the Founder Institute, by the way, is the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. It's extremely structured, and we're somewhere in between. We feel that there's a, a need for a lot of structure here, uh, partly just because there's a there's a lot of really, really creative people doing a lot of interesting things in a brand new market. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't really a standard for how people are doing things yet in the cannabis space. And so you know, and that's what's so exciting about yeah, it. We want to help yeah. Yeah, and we want to help with that. Yeah. So I think there needs to be a lot more hands on approach. We we like being hands on. I think Ben and I would go crazy if it was just invest and then we'll you know talk to yeah. you in three months that's not <laughs> our thing sleep at night yeah. right so uh you know we want to be there we want to be helping and so we don't you know we don't need a metric about growth and, and frankly like ben said growth might not make sense and some of these businesses are very different so how do you measure growth necessarily right right right, right. we're not you know we're not just these aren't just necessarily tech companies they could be growing they could be uh they could be making infused products they, there's a whole bunch of things and a variety of uh, verticals they can be doing and all of that can't really be easily measured with one metric especially this early stage so you brought up kind of the the touching the plant companies versus the ancillary right. businesses right and uh, the investors that i've spoken with see a very clear division here yes. and some of them only play on one side of the fence or the other how do you guys feel about that how do you view that that dichotomy my uh my initial gut going into this was to not touch the plant because i was nervous about it yep um however one of the things that I'm really happy about being with MGIC and having their involvement here is they have a pretty proven model for being able to invest and touch the plant without yeah. risk to the investor. And so, you know, when they teamed up with us to do this, we we had a conversation and they said, absolutely, don't worry about it. You know, they showed us how this can be done. We can invest in people that touch the plant. So, so are we talking about like shell corporations here? Or like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the yeah. lawyer, but, but yes, there is, there is a different corporate structure. A, yeah. Mm -hmm. a, a legal barrier. There. Yeah, there's a legal barrier between the investment and the company. And you have full faith in that legal instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. I mean, and so does MJIC. They've, yeah. they've rolled up a lot, of, uh, a lot of people who touch the plant. Yeah. And so, um, you know, from our LP's perspective, it's, you know, they're even one step removed from that. Sure. So, you know, there's really no risk there. I don't anticipate, I could be wrong. So we, we don't have, I don't anticipate there being a lot of companies that touch the plant coming in yep. gateway. I could be totally wrong. We're not trying to hit any sort of quota one way or the other. We don't care. Um, We've had but, quite a few applications from infused products. Yeah. Um, but as far as grows go and stuff like that, I, I haven't seen much come through. There is a, there's a little bit of everything in there right now. Right. Um, so yeah. sort of the way I think about picking companies in an incubator or even investment is not necessarily picking the absolute best company, although that's great to do, but picking the company that you can help the most with, right? And I think yes. giving the two of your background, it's you're probably going to get a lot of software and maybe some right. some hardware stuff, a little bit more on the technology side. But it sounds like you're not seeing that necessarily. You're, you're getting a whole range of... Well, the, the beautiful thing about ready. creating a mentor-based incubator is that we get to rely on the collective knowledge of everyone in our network. So yeah. we've put together this amazing you know, mentor network where we have people that have been working on the policy for the last 30 or 40 years. We have top tech entrepreneurs that have grown scalable companies and all the service providers in between so that we can 
you know, create the best mentor network for each individual founder and make sure that they're getting the knowledge that they need. Yeah, let's talk about mentors for a second. I think that's fascinating. Something very, very common with incubators and accelerators, and they range everything from like kind of a speaking engagement, right, with sure. their face on the website to like in the weeds every day, right. helping you with your SEO or whatever. You know, right. uh, what's sort of the model with your mentors? Like, what you know, how do you get somebody involved? What's what's the setup? Like there? Sure. So. Um, First of all, I mean, Ben and I will be hands-on helping, but uh, I, I don't want to touch on something that you, we just mentioned, and then I'll get to the okay. mentors. Yeah. Um, the way I view it is I want to be helping them as much as I can, and I want to be the least helpful person. Like, I want to have mentors who know more than me about every subject that they need to talk about yep. and can contribute more than I can. Well, that's classic entrepreneurship, um, right? So Hire people who are smarter than right, you. Right, that's what I want. Yeah. I, I, I mean, want to be the least helpful guy, but I will help you as much as I possibly yeah, can. Yeah. Um, so... In terms of the mentors, we're doing a couple things. So it's, it's to answer your question, it's a little bit of a mix. So some people may come in and just do a lecture and have a little bit of interaction, and you may not see them very much. Yeah. Um, and some people will be coming in and doing a little bit more hands-on. So we're doing a little bit of a mix. How we're managing mentor engagement, though, I think is, it's not unique to us, but it's unusual in the accelerator space, which is we're giving mentors equity. So um, our goal is to have a mentor community build up that actually cares about the companies even after they've graduated. So they get equity in the incubator as a whole they or get an incubator, it's on a company? They get equity in the class. Got it. So uh, if they help out with the class, and actually we're letting at the end of the class, we let the founders, um, founders each have to contribute 1% of their company uh, when they come in just for equity. Interesting. Uh, to mentors. Yeah. And so at the end, they get to kind of say, this mentor was really helpful, this one wasn't really helpful, blah, 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 and we'll allocate uh, equity according to how they're rated. Based on the feedback of the company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the idea is if you're a mentor and you want to come in and just give a lecture and go away, that's fine. You'll still get a little equity. But if you're the kind of mentor who really gets in the weeds and really, really helps, maybe you're not a big name. But you're just, just really so smart and you're adding there, yeah. a lot of value, you'll yeah. get more equity because the company will recognize, wow, this guy's been there, the gal's been really helpful. That's a really interesting model. Is that something that you patterned off somewhere else? or that's just Yeah, your own? it's something that uh, we, the Founder Institute does something similar. Yeah. Um, we've adapted it a little bit, but uh, that's where I ran into it the first time. I don't know where you saw it the yeah. first time. Yeah, it I mean, was at the Founder Institute. So uh, we're doing something a little bit different than how they do it, but... Uh, it's the same same kind of concept. It's almost like a money back guarantee in a little bit of a way, right? If you're if you're a founder, yeah. you come into this program, you're saying, oh, you're going to get all this mentorship, you're going to get all this help, and at the end, you sort of get to close the loop and tell you guys how you got exactly. how you did by how you allocate that equity. Yeah, and so that's it's really important for us to be able to measure how well we're helping companies, yeah. and so that 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 will be part of it. Um, so yeah. Well, in the in the goal, I mean, in the end, the goal is to keep the vested interest beyond the program, right? Like we want our companies to come through the program, but to always be a part of the family. Mm -hmm. And one way to do that is give a little piece of each other's companies. Hundred yeah. uh, percent. So, how big of a class are we talking about? The first class starts when? when March. Starts in March. Mm -hmm. And uh, how how many companies do you anticipate that? Only ten. So Only we're ten. trying to do two cohorts of ten in 2016. Got it. And my goal and I'm sure Ben's goal as well we've talked about is, you know, we'd like to, would like to have 2016 be really successful, do another um, couple of cohorts in 2017 that are both bigger and where we can invest more money. Mm -hmm. You know, if all goes well, that's what happens. Uh, that's what happened with, you know, 500 startups, Y Combinator, they all have a kind of a similar trajectory of 
a little bit of money, small number of companies, and now I don't know why C's last class feels like it had a hundred companies and I think it did, you know, six or something. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and it's a know, little big for our tastes. Five or eight <laughs> times as much investment as they were getting when it started, and you know that kind of thing. And and that's a really interesting question about the uh, scalability of an incubator or accelerator, right? Is that even though YC is the gold standard, I think that recent classes have. Uh, shown that they're a little unhappy with how big the class sizes are, right? You don't yeah. get the same kind of touch points, you don't get yeah. this hands-on. I mean, as you look towards the future, obviously we'll worry about the first class first, uh, but will you cap it at some point, you know? Yeah, it's something that we've thought about. So we also had this conversation with respect to will we open other offices around the world, yeah. the country, yeah. and we haven't, I don't think we've set an answer to that, but my, my instinct is to say no, I just want to have one program all in one spot where we can become the premier cannabis accelerator. And, you know, if you if you want to go to the premier, you come here and you do it. Got it. Um, probably that will entail capping the number of, yep. of entries. Um, but, you know, it gives us assurance that our mentor network, that our community, that, you know, office space for the companies coming out of the program, it's like, it gives us so much more control over it. Like, if we start spreading ourselves thin, you know, around other locations, um, I, I think we start to lose some of our value. Got it. So as you look at these companies, I find it very interesting, and I think there's different schools of thought here in terms of uh, do you want a company that's a little farther along, right, that can you see a great trajectory, or do you want someone that's a little earlier that you can help mold more? You know I mean? I think there's a yeah. difference in, in how you, you know, what's the stage company that you really, really want? What's, what's like your wheelhouse? You know? I think that's somewhat dictated by the terms. So, you know, we're investing 30K for 5%, which is a 600K valuation. Yep. Uh, if you're far along, if you're really far along, you're going to look at that and say, this just isn't for me. Yep. Um, and so, to some extent, it's self-selecting. Yep. Um, but, I mean, it is and it isn't, though, right? Because you're going to get applications. I used to get a lot of applications, right? You get applications from for concepts, right? right? And the concept right. might sound really, really cool. Right. And so, so there is a limit to how early we'll go yeah. with this. Um, you can't just have an idea yep. and be. Okay. Uh, yep. I, I guess maybe if Zuckerberg came in with an idea, sure. <laughs> but um, you can't. You can't just come in with an idea. We do want there to be. They have an established business. They've built something. Yep. And they've got a little bit of validation, um, and we believe it's scalable. And then we focus on the founder. So, you know, and and in truth, if a lar if a later stage company came in and they said, you know what, we really want to go through the program. These terms are really difficult for us. Uh, you know, we could maybe have that conversation, sure. but sure. Um, I mean, Quora went through YC recently, which is Whoa. ridiculous, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, right, right, right. why is Quora going through YC? Probably just for Strategic, the network. Strategic, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, Valuation. I mean, I'm not super rigid on, on that. Well, I think you're so early, you have to be a little flexible. Well, that, that's yeah. it. I mean, we're, we have experience dealing with like super early stage yeah. founders. Yes. And actually, from what we've seen in that experience is that, you know, we can take a very early stage founder and we can take someone that has had some traction and has been building their product. And sometimes, you know, just because of the psychology of having already worked on your company for a long time, you may be a little bit slower to react, maybe a little less open. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you see the early stage person accelerating past the other person. It, it, it's a really interesting dynamic. But I can think of a few examples from your last Palo Alto class mm -hmm. of founders who came in with nothing, actually came in with a bad idea, yep. had it beaten out of them, Change their ideas and have accelerated past. Uh, and that was three. Else. That was three and a half months, part time program. Now yeah. we're talking four or five months, full time program with yeah. investment. Like, 
like what we're going to be able to do with these companies is, is going to be great. Yeah. So they're all going to uh, work here, right? Uh, yeah. So they're going to spend a lot of time here. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the cannabis industry and a lot of the players that play in that, uh, they like to consume cannabis fairly often, sure. right? Uh, what's the policy, what's the culture going to be like in, in this office come, come March? Um, well, uh, we don't, you know, we're not going to prohibit people from, uh, you know, using medical marijuana if they have reasons and that kind of stuff. And we're, and we're not, uh, you know, we don't want to be down on the culture. The flip side is uh, we want this to be a very professional business environment where a company can take a meeting with a potential investor or someone important and not have that person walk through a cloud of smoke on their way to the, yeah. to the conference yeah. room. So uh, we do have an upstairs with a balcony outside. We're going to ask people if they, if they want to smoke. They've got to go upstairs and go outside. We don't want smoke in the office. Um, you know, if people need to vape at their desk or whatever, that's not a huge deal. But, you know, we want, for, for us, it's really less about consumption and more about the professionalism and, and the, the attitude of, sure. of what the companies are, are doing here. So. Well, like we were talking about at the beginning, in order for cannabis to be as big of an industry as we all know it can be, it has to also include people that aren't smoking cannabis all the time, right? right. I mean, yeah. it just absolutely has to. There's no, there's no right. way around it, right? Uh, I'm kind of reminded of the rap music uh, analogy, right? That started sort of in inner cities and everything, sure. and then before long, everybody was listening to rap music. And thank, thank you for listening to that, because now we have this. Be- anyway, Absolutely. I'm a rap fan. Well, I mean, but, uh, <laughs> take take ease, right? Like yeah. Keith McCarty, he's very publicly said he doesn't smoke. And it's like, and he's building a very strong company right yep. now. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's just it brings more relevance to the you know the mainstream. But I also think he gets a lot of shit for that. He does, which is interesting. He he he's made a decision to take like a make a stance or a persona of himself. Yep. Like every business person yep. does this. Sure. Um, you know it. What it says to me is that hey, there's more people getting involved in the industry, and you know this is going to bring us closer to the the mainstream market. Yeah, I mean, I would say also it's um, if you don't want to be judged for smoking, don't judge people for not smoking. Right. Yes. I mean, you know, yep. look, we're all people. We all have our different yep. likes, and you know, some people like to drink, some people like to smoke. Yeah. You know, some people like to do blow. I mean, <laughs> I, frankly, you know, <laughs> Charlie Sheen exists, right? So, uh, you know. Yeah. Let's some not, people do like to do blow. Yeah, let's so let's so not be super judgmental. <laughs> so long as people are being functional and contributing, let's leave them alone. Well, that's the beautiful thing about uh, the technology industry, I think, is it's so metric driven. Right. right. At the end of the day, you either got it done or you didn't. Right. And it doesn't matter how much coffee or cannabis right. you yeah, have. How many cans there. of Red Bull are in your garbage? <laughs> it's not measured. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, you're not uh, completely unique in the cannabis incubator space. Nope. Uh, there's another one. Uh, I don't know if we should name it or not. Yeah, here. yeah. Canopy, uh, Canopy, Canopy Boulder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've had several uh, entrepreneurs that went through that program mm-hmm. on this show, mm-hmm. uh, and they have a very close uh, relationship with ArcView, and yep. you know that's sort of uh, what I consider a little bit of the traditional cannabis investing side, mm-hmm. even though it's still relatively new. Yep. Uh, is there? I mean, when you look at them, is there certain things that you want to do similarly, differently? I mean, uh, how much how much of, is that a part of what you built here? It's not too much. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, Canopy blazed the trail here, yeah. right? Which is great. And I've known Troy not super well, but I've known Troy for years. Yeah. Um, I re- I have a lot of respect for him. I really like Troy, uh, and what he's done with Arcview is has been really impressive. And you know, Canopy blazed a trail in Boulder, and I think they're coming to the Bay Area as well early next year. So, um, you know, from my perspective, they're another great addition to the community, and 
You and know, the community I, is plenty big. Yeah, That's, I mean, yeah. look, here's the thing. I mean, I think, you know, something that that I've noticed, and it, this is not unique to cannabis, but it's it's unique to non-tech industry, I think, is, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of resentment or like, hey, we're competing, or, you know, just kind of like angry feelings about people stepping on each other's territory. And for the most part in the tech space, minus a few... Uh, minus a few examples, for the most part, there's a, a spirit of coopetition. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, oh, you're starting a blogging service too. Yeah, me too. Let's know. Let's talk. Let's yep. You know, if there's not this animosity, and so we just don't bring that with us. It's not part of our culture. And you know, I hope Canopy explodes in the Bay Area and does really, really well. And I encourage people to look at Canopy's program and 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 consider applying. I mean, you know, we're not we're, whether or not Canopy's successful. Like it's actually better for us if they're successful. If of course, if, yeah. if we all are starting to produce better companies for for investors mm -hmm. that look more professional, great. I mean, yeah. you know, that I, will only get more investors. It's only better. Right? Yeah, it's, we it's don't want to have a monopoly on the incubator industry, right. cannabis industry. It's like, you know, it, it just means that the market is big enough to support us. And and yeah. frankly, if both of us are creating ten companies at a time, I can guarantee you there's more than twenty companies that want to get their start. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Just kind of the crop of companies, right? Because sure. uh, you know we've had a number of companies on this show. We try to pick the best ones, and in some way we kind of play investor because we do pick companies right all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the the landscape of companies right now? I mean, are they are they quality? You know, uh, I think it's it's really really new. It's it's interesting how new everything is. Yeah, so use the word raw. Yeah, raw is yeah. raw is a better raw. word. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> They're, they're all over the map. I mean, there are some that are not good quality at all. Um, like any other industry. But I was yeah. going to say, yeah. but I just, you know, two days ago, I just judged a, a startup pitch competition in the tech industry, and <laughs> there, was some there were some shit. not yeah. great <laughs> stuff in there as well. So, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, there's some bad stuff. Uh, and there's some really interesting things. I think one of the, the cool things about the cannabis industry is if you look at the tech industry now, a lot of the kind of low-hanging fruit in terms of ideas someone has tried to do already, mm -hmm. right? And there's, you know, we've kind of settled on Uber, there's maybe Lyft, but, you know, if you came to me and said, I'm going to do a taxi app, right, like, sure, people, yeah. yeah, come on, right, right. Yeah. like, it's been done. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not true in this space. Yeah. So you have a lot of all, you know, a lot of really excited entrepreneurs, and they've got these products, I mean, Ease, mm -hmm. Meadow, um, like, you've got all these things. Who's going to win? I don't know. Yeah. Right? Is Weed Maps going to be the platform? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, they're certainly the front runner, but yeah. it's, it's still early. What's similar to the tech industry is there's right now there's a high value on like first mover advantage, right? Yeah. A lot of people talk about that, yeah. and I'm like, well, from history, you know, we learned that first mover advantage only lasts so long, right? And it's like best mover advantage, right? Yeah. It's like that will soon end, and when when you have companies that are being built properly, you know that that's what's going to facilitate that transition. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being Pepsi, right? That, no. That's a pretty damn good thing. Sure. I mean, and frankly, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being MySpace if you get purchased by Fox. That's right? true, I mean, too. that's not and so I bad. And I bet Tom has a pretty sweet life today. Right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, Tom. he's been a friend of mine for years. <laughs> <laughs> now you sound like a Silicon Valley yeah, master. No, yeah. <laughs> he's everyone's friend, right? He was, he was the one friend, friend when you, you got. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's... 
it's a little bit in the Wild West, which is exciting. Yeah. yeah. So you brought up delivery, which is fascinating, because I think that's like one segment in the cannabis industry that is a little bit commoditized, right? I mean, we have yes. so many options. Yeah. And I wonder, are, do you still get applications? Do you hear founders say, yes. oh, I'm going to start delivery? Yes. <laughs> and, and what do they say? I mean, how are they going to do it any better? Um, they're not clear on that so far. Okay, yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Got it. I think delivery is one of those things that's, you know, there are a few areas where we really need some legal stability mm -hmm. before people are going to really jump in and sure. put a lot of money behind them. Mm -hmm. um, and delivery, depending on how the, you know, it's you have to structure the business carefully in delivery so that you can ride out any eventuality, any reasonable eventuality yep. of the legal landscape. And so, you know, I think there are some people who are coming in kind of naively and just saying, you know, I'm going to grow it and then deliver it directly to consumers. And it's like, oh, you know, mm. that might not last. Farm right? to table. <laughs> right. Yeah. Might not work uh, out. It might, if, yeah. right? I mean, if I had my way, frankly, there would be no regulation on it. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. Yeah. So there's going to be some regulation, and I don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. And we can kind of guess, and, and there's some ideas. But um, so there are, there are, you know, that's a, that's a factor. But so... If not delivery, what are some of the other segments that you're really excited about? I mean, you just look at the space as a whole. You know? I'm I'm most excited about because I'm a an engineer and my background is very tech centered. Yeah, I'm super excited about the nerds who are coming in the industry from other industries, specifically like pharmaceuticals yes. and mm -hmm. organic chemists, yes. coming in and doing some really interesting mm -hmm. things, both in terms of extraction or production of cannabinoids and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think at the fundamental level, there's really interesting things there. Yeah. Um, well, it's actually so. it's what's going to drive the buy-in from the big players yeah. in the market. When you drive down the cost of production, that's what's going to get the big corporations really exactly. putting money right. and interest in. Yeah. yeah. So the one that I really see, uh, apart from delivery, which still is a war that's that's being waged. Yeah, by, by the way, I'm interested in delivery. Just you know, I don't know who's going to win. If you're going to do it better, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then sure. hit you up. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the other one is I think we're entering this battle of software, which yeah. is really fascinating, right? There are so many offerings for dispensaries today. Yeah. Yes. You know, uh, accounts payable and seed to sale and tracking and mm -hmm. POS. I mean. Those, yeah, so some of those are really interesting yeah. as well. Um, and then there's a question. So some of them are, are the kind of businesses that I think are products that will probably always be needed in the cannabis space. Mm -hmm. right. So tracking is a great example. Uh, unless, you know, unless for some reason people aren't growing anymore and they're magically producing cannabinoids in a lab or something. But assuming you're growing, um, yeah, you need to track your plant. You need to track what happens to it. You need, like, you need to track everything all the way through to the dispensary. Mm -hmm. Uh, that ties in maybe with your POS system at the dispensary, whatever. All that's, all that's kind of interesting and unique to the cannabis industry in many ways. And then there's things like banking yeah. and accounting, which I hope there's absolutely no need for a unique solution there in a few years. Right. Yeah, there really isn't. Yeah. There, there is a need now. We need some kind of bridge, yeah. yeah. But, there, but, you know, that, and that makes it really difficult, right? When you look at that and you think, okay, if... If cannabis gets descheduled at the federal level in five years, which it won't, but let's just assume five years. Let's assume Bernie Sanders gets elected and he deschedules de de cannabis, yep. right? Uh, well, that has a very different impact on those businesses than if it's another 20 years before it gets descheduled or if it changes to schedule two. Mm -hmm. 
right? Um, so, you know, in those cases, you know, if it's not descheduled for a long time, you could potentially build a really, really huge company just solving that problem. If it's descheduled in a few years, you're going to evaporate because as soon as it's and descheduled, that software, you know, banks will be back doing the thing that banks do. Right. You know, Intuit will be providing services. Like, everything will just be normal. Yeah. So. Yeah. At best, it would be a customer acquisition sale or something. Right. Sure. And the other interesting thing about banking is uh, security has become a real segment of cannabis, right? And I see it so directly, negatively correlated, right? Yeah. Like, if we can get this banking online and not be strictly a cash business anymore, yeah. we don't need guys with guns right. in dispensaries, It's right? unreal. Unreal. Right. It yeah. feels like a. It feels like you're in a, a weird dystopian <laughs> future movie yeah. where you there's, yeah. there's guys with guns and armored cars and, and glass and cases yeah. everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, we've gone from sort of like this pseudo hippie background, right? <laughs> where cannabis was like this underworld and very peaceful and yeah. social, and now we're like, do you have your card? Yeah. Can you get in? Right. Don't touch my gun. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, let me get it out of the vault. Yeah, let me get it out of the vault. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, security companies. Now, the one interesting one is the uh, not consumer delivery, but uh, like wholesale delivery. Yeah. It's fascinating, yeah. right? Yeah. Because now we've got like these marketplaces where they're doing hundreds of thousand dollars in order and then like sending it in a car on yep. its way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and uh, it's it's hard to think of another parallel industry right. like that. Right. right. I mean Yeah, because if you talk about alcohol or whatever, the, the alcohol distribution companies, there's like a whole bunch of regulations right. and yeah, and, and it's just not as valuable on a per uh, unit basis. Either, right. 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 Yeah. It's like transporting a large amount of gold or diamonds. I mean, actually, so one thing uh, that Blue Nile used to do, and I don't know if they still do, and I don't think this is confidential information because I don't know how I would have it if it Nobody watches the show anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but they used to, um, they learned that insuring their FedEx packages uh, would lead to theft because it was like, well, obviously this contains diamonds. So they what right. they had to do was set up a whole bunch of drop points around the country oh, wow. and just ship unmarked stuff uninsured that's where diamonds, that's how diamonds are shipped, which is kind of strange. So when you have a really high value per unit substance like that, uh, odd things happen. Now, cannabis can't ship through the mail. Um, although we had this conversation of like, why isn't there a UPS for cannabis? Well, so I think distribution has like one of the biggest potentials for growth. Like, mm -hmm. like there's so many products being created and getting yes. into these dispensaries quickly yes. is the key to success and like I haven't seen a lot of like oh sales reps that represent like ma many different brands like models that have been applied to many different industries it's coming yeah it's coming I think it's, it's coming like, it should be. yeah I mean there's an alcohol rep that goes into every corner store exactly. in the country yep. right and promotes their specific brand yeah, yeah. Uh, that's sort of a thing that, that worries me a little bit about cannabis though right like if we're getting so commercial are we going to lose Mainly the quality of the cannabis. That's the part that bothers me the most. I mean, I think, it, look, alcohol is a great example. Yeah. Did, do we lose quality? No. There's a bunch of Budweiser, and then there's a lot of craft beer. Right, we just gained a whole another right. segment. I mean, there's... Yeah. You there's, gained more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's yellowtail wine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then there's... Yellowtail. You know, and then there's all the, you know... Shout out to Yellowtail, by the way. Get, getting startups drunk all over the... Yeah, kangaroo. right, but the like... Kangaroo. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they're... They're not the, you know, they're not the wine aficionados. Uh, yeah, of course. First yeah. choice. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. but you no, know, I think you're right. I think you're great right. mainstream yeah. product. So yeah. I, you know, that's probably what will happen with cannabis. And, and people actually. 
because we're kind of outsiders, you know, people like to try to paint us into a corner and be like, oh, so you're for a big market. Mm. And we're not necessarily for it or against it. It's just, it's the eventuality, right? right? When something goes mainstream, you're going to have the whole spectrum. So, yes, the craft growers will still exist and we will still enjoy it. But, and I mean, we, I mean, the current market. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, like, you know, the market as a whole, we're going to need these mass production units. And and that's actually what's going to, like, allow the pharmaceuticals to really bite into it. Right. Or or major food manufacturing. I mean, Nestle Mm -hmm. someday, I know people don't want to hear this, but, like, Nestle may make an infused chocolate bar someday, right? They better, right? And so at some point it's going to make sense. Right. right. And and when they do that, you know, are they going to have the quality that no. you get in Humboldt County? No. Yeah. Are their customers going to care? No. But frankly, if their customers cared about quality, they wouldn't be buying a Nestle bar. Right. 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 I to mean, begin with. they're not yeah. the best chocolate. Right. So <laughs> like it's they're not going to put the best cannabis in the best chocolate. Perfect. Or not said. the best chocolate. I mean, so yeah. Perfectly uh, said. As we wrap up here, this has been awesome, by the way, guys. Really, yeah, it's been really fun. enjoyed having you on. Thank you again for both be- having us here in your awesome Thanks office. Thanks for being here. Uh, we we got to do it again when you when you have some companies. You know, yes. we'll it'll be fun. Companies. Yeah, come and, come interview some companies. Yeah, yeah. We'll do. We could do our own little demo thing. I don't know. We'll, yeah, we'll figure totally. something out. Sounds awesome. Uh, as we kind of wrap up, like just tell the founder that's out there sitting watching. Uh, you know, what do you want to see from them? This application process is going to begin. What what's give them some advice. Well, I gave. I think I gave the defensiveness advice. Yeah, you did. So I don't want to see that. You did. Uh, in terms of what I do want to see, I think I want to just see seriousness in your approach to your business, right? I want to see that you are going to do the homework. Uh, you're going to work hard to make it a successful business, and that you're you're passionate about doing that. Not that it's. Uh, I don't want it to feel like a side project or you know, kind of something that you don't care about too much, or you're kind of doing to test, get your feet wet. I want to see that you know you have a vision for building a really big, scalable company, and you're going to do the work uh, necessary to make that happen. I don't know. What do you want to see, Ben? Well, just to add on to that. I mean, none of that. None of those. No, yeah, no, that's, that. that's completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just to add on to it, I mean, what I would say is that, like, I love working with a founder that can paint their vision of the future for me, um, get me excited about something that I wasn't necessarily excited about before, and, um, you know, that that's the type of founder that's going to be successful because that's what they need to do whether they're building a team, getting investors, selling their loved ones on why they're spending their life work doing this. Um, and combining that with what Carter said, I, th- I think that's the magic potion for a great founder. I like to see founders who, who are jacks of all trade. I'm a big fan of jack of all trade founders because mm-hmm. uh, I like to see people who don't say, oh, well, that's marketing. I don't understand marketing. I have to hire a marketing person. Mm. No, you don't have the money. Go become a marketing expert, yeah. right? Go become an expert at everything. Mm-hmm. The truth is, there are going to be people who are better that than you at all of that stuff. I like to see founders who are just going to roll their sleeves up and do every aspect of the business until they can afford to hire someone better than them at the other parts of the business. So. I don't think we can have a better close to that. Plug some stuff here. If you Google Gateway Incubator, you'll find it. Application, when does the application come out, or is it, is it out now? You can apply now. You can you apply just, now. Yeah, go to the website and apply. And, and that's a rolling basis. When will people find out? or? Uh, people will start finding out in January. In January. Mid, probably mid-January, I would imagine. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you both again for being on the show. And uh, thanks, guys, for watching. We're everywhere that content is consumed. Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Snapchat, I think. I keep saying Snapchat. I don't think we have a Snapchat. But (laughs) investing, maybe you should, right? Maybe we should. We should be snapping this too. In Periscope, we used to do some Periscope stuff. Uh, Investing in Cannabis TV. Uh, Come check it out. Thanks for watching, guys. See you next time.